Well, today we're um, continuing on, as Troy said, with this idea of logging in, logging on. As we think about this idea of prayer, and I kind of feel like I, I wish that this was a workshop rather than a, uh, me up the front, because when it comes to prayer, we all have such different experiences and different ways of logging in and connecting with God that I think I would actually rather hear from you than me to you, but you're stuck with me, so I'm sorry about that. Um, but we're going to keep going. Now, I think if I point this, yeah, great. So last week, Steve took us through downloading this idea of listening to God and how do we listen to God and what does that look like? And today we're going to continue on with this idea of logging in, logging on, asking, asking. And so as I've been thinking about today, I've been reflecting on the way that I pray. How do I pray? Why do I pray? How do I ask God about the things that are important to me and that are going on in my everyday life? What do I do with that? And I realized I actually kind of log in with God pretty regularly. It's a bit of a pattern in my life. I I thank God for the food that we're eating at each of our meals. And when I'm walking into a meeting or if I'm chatting to someone, often something will pop in my head like, oh, I need to pray about that. And so I ask God about that as well. And it's come into this space and in this time. And so I log in with God every day. and, And I've realized that's a bit of a habit And I think that's a good habit to have. Not all habits are bad. It's a good habit to have to actually be dialing in and logging in and inviting God into our spaces. But as I've been reflecting, I've also realized that I've fallen into a not so good habit. And it's probably not even that I've fallen into it. It's my nature. It's my personality. But this idea of, well, when all else fails, then I'll pray. When it comes to the really big things of my life, I'll often ask God last rather than first. I'm notorious for it. I will walk into something and I might go, God, need your help with this one. But realizing how big it is as I go, I will try and pull everything together and hold everything together and run around like a crazy person until I'm so frustrated and I'm so tired and I so don't know what to do anymore that it then is when I pray. And not just to pray, Lord, help me in this, but you know those moments of really deep prayer, those moments of life-transforming prayer, when I actually have to give everything over to God, those extreme moments in life, those moments when you're not sure whether you're going to fall out of the sky or actually make it as your tire blows as you run along the, the runway. It's these moments that I think we can learn so much from because life is busy and life is crazy and life is full. Over Easter, we went up to the Gold Coast for a couple of days and uh, we went to Wet and Wild. Now, I love roller coasters. I love kind of those adrenaline things, but they have a new ride. Well, a new ride since I've been there uh, called the Aqualoop. Doesn't it look impressive? They make it look so colourful to woo you in, but... Let me tell you. So you line up for the aqua loop, and as you get to the end, like the start of the line, they weigh you. They weigh everyone, which is probably a better thing to do. Um, and you have to between, be between 40 and 120 kilos to go on this ride. And I think it's so you don't get stuck in one of the loops, or you don't weigh enough to actually go around one of the loops. So you, you're weighed. And then they give you this kind of harness thing that you put on. It's like a plasticky foam thing. And I think that's so you don't shred your back as you go down the slide. 
And then you climb up the stairs. Anyone who likes water parks knows it's all about the stair climb. So you climb up the stairs and then they lock you in a capsule right up the top. You stand in there and there's a little floor and there's this thin plastic door that goes around you and you're just standing there. And the, the instructor guy is kind of saying, you have to do this and this. Don't do anything else. You have to do this and this. So I'm standing there as my family, my mum and my sister are down the bottom going, yay, this is so much fun. And this is not so much fun at the moment. Gary's in the capsule beside me and my brother-in-law is in the other one. And I'm like, well, what's going to happen? What do we do? And my heart is um, palpitating. And I think every time I get up here, I say I'm a control freak, so I don't like not knowing what is going to happen next. So I'm standing there just trying to breathe. And then all of a sudden, I hear three, two, one, and the floor drops out. And you just fall. And you're falling. And then suddenly, you're going around a loop. And then as you go around the loop, Water just rushes in your face so that you can't breathe any longer. And then you go around the loop as you're trying to fight because you can't do anything else but this and you're trying to spit out the water and all those sorts of things. And eventually you come out the bottom. And I didn't move for a while as my family was laughing at me. Um, it was kind of a big thing. And, I, and my brother, who was also there, he was saying that there's a ride similar to this when he went on a holiday in Bali. Um, and there was this girl who hopped in, and as they closed the door on her, she freaked out and started going, let me out, let me out. And the lovely uh, man who was in charge of the ride went, bye-bye, and pressed the button. <laughs> and then looks at my brother and says, I love it when they scream. So, the <laughs> so this is the aqua loop it went off. But as I was reflecting about prayer and how prayer happens in our everyday lives, that's going to stay with you, that one, I'm sure, <laughs> stayed with me, um, I kind of reflected on this moment because I think there are very few times in life when we actually feel like we're in complete control. And most of it are those moments when we don't know what's going to happen next. And we are falling and we're not sure when it's going to end or why we're falling. Or suddenly we just can't breathe because too many things are coming towards us all at once. Or it might even be those pinch me amazing joyous moments when our dreams come true or the things that we've been asking, we survive the aqua loop, actually happens. It's these amazing moments that I think many times that we invite God into. For people who are followers of Jesus and even those who are not followers of Jesus, there's this sense in these times of these extreme moments. And I think we can learn a lot from these extreme moments. We can learn a lot about God and we can learn a lot about how we can ask, how we can invite God into the everyday and also those big moments of our lives, into this big mystery that we call prayer. To help us do that today, I want to look at the story of Hezekiah. This is probably the worst picture of Hezekiah, but it's a 17th century masterpiece, so I thought I'd give you this Hezekiah. So this is Hezekiah, and you can read about Hezekiah in 2 Kings uh, 18 to 20, those chapters. It's an amazing story. It's a really interesting one, so I encourage you to go away and read it. But Hezekiah is the king of Judah, and he is a good king, the Bible tells us. It's, it ranks him right up there with David. And in the way that uh, for the people of Israel, that is the highest compliment that you can be paid. He is a good king. 
And he cultivated a relationship with God as he came into power when he was about 25. He realized for the people that they were being distracted by lots of other things and lots of other gods. And so he took away all of that from the people and said, no, we're going to come back to the one and only God. In his relationship, it says in there that he trusted Yahweh, that he trusted God, and that he held on to Yahweh, God, and God was with him every moment. I think that's a really beautiful picture, that idea. I think we've already heard this morning that of people who invite God into every part of their day, that God was with them every moment in that ongoing prayer, that ongoing asking and receiving. And we see that in Hezekiah's life. Now, Hezekiah was a good and God-fearing king, but that doesn't mean that everything went easy or well for Hezekiah. He had issues and troubles as well. And the Bible tells us about two extreme moments in his life. I'm sure there were many, but we find out about two of them where prayer became crucial. It was the thing he grabbed onto. The first one, the first big ask that Hezekiah, um, that we read about with Hezekiah was at a time of war. Two of Judah's borders at this time were surrounded by the great Assyrian Empire. These were big guys. These were big people. They had a lot of power and a lot of might. Like they were big enough to take on the Egyptians. So they, this was big. And they were, surrounded, they were surrounding Judah. Now, about 14 years into Hezekiah's reign as king, the king of Assyria invades and takes all of the cities. It's not looking good for the people. Hezekiah knows that there is no way that he can take these guys on. There's nothing that he can humanly do that will overturn these these people. But he tries. This is where I, I can relate to Hezekiah when all else fails, pray. But he tries. And he does a deal with the king of Assyria. And he says, look, if I apologize um, and I say sorry for whatever it is that I might have done, and you can make any demand you like and I will pay it. And the king of Assyria makes a demand. And so to pay this demand, what Hezekiah does is he goes to the temple and strips all of the gold out of the temple and all of the silver out of the temple and gives it to the king of Assyria. And the king leaves. But what he does does do next, the king of Assyria, is he sends in a general with a whole military and surrounds the city of Jerusalem. And they are now under siege. And this goes on for quite some time. And this general shouts at the people and shouts at Hezekiah continually saying, who are you to think that you can take on us? And you think you're going to go to your God now after you just stripped away his temple and took everything out of it? This is never going to happen. And Hezekiah actually asked, could you speak in Aramaic rather than Hebrew so our people won't understand and won't be fearful of you? And this guy goes, no way. I want all of your people to know how powerless you are. And he writes, this general writes it all down in messages and sends it all to Hezekiah. And eventually Hezekiah goes, you know what? There is nothing else I can do. The only way that this is going to, we are going to get out of this situation All the people are now fearful, although they're still obeying me. All the people are now fearful. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to pray. And this is Hezekiah's first prayer. He goes to the temple, the one that just all the stuff had been taken out of, but he goes to the temple and he lays out the messages of this general in front of God and kneels down before him and he says this, Lord, the God of Israel, 
enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words, this is the name of the general, has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Syrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they were not gods, but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. So that's his first prayer. And God responds. God does do what he asks in this moment. God hears and God listens and the Assyrians leave and then they are decimated afterwards and the people of Israel are miraculously provided for. Hezekiah prayed and God heard. The second big extreme prayer that we read about um, with Hezekiah is Hezekiah becomes severely ill, very sick. To the point that even the prophet Israel comes to him, sorry, prophet Isaiah comes to him and says, you know what, God's told me you're going to die. It's done. And so Hezekiah in this moment, this moment of desperation, he prays. He says this, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, remember Lord how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And then it goes on to say, Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, This is what the Lord, the God of your father, David, says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears, and I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the king. Another amazing and miraculous moment. Hezekiah prays, and God hears. God does what he says. He couldn't ignore the cries of this godly man. God acts. So as we look at Hezekiah and what we read about in these prayers, and again, I really encourage you to read these stories, I think we actually learn more about God in these moments and how we are to respond. There's so many questions I have when I read stories like this, and we'll get to those, but I think there are a number of things that as we go to God that we can learn about him and also about how we are to come as we ask God, as we log into God. And the first one, because I am the star at really obvious things, is really obvious. God is God. Duh. I know. I know you knew that. Um, My little boy is called Elijah, and Elijah means the Lord is God. And I had someone say to me, well, that is really obvious, isn't it? And in a way, yeah, it is, but we'll get to that. But notice Hezekiah's first prayer, and we'll flick over to it again soon. Hezekiah's first prayer is all about God. God the creator, God the sustainer, God the redeemer. He's saying, God, if you're not in this, it doesn't work. And so as I come to you and pray to you, I need to put you in your right place and remember who you are and what you are about. As I said, when I read these stories, I often leave with more questions than answers. I think about why did God choose to heal Hezekiah and answer his prayers and maybe not the next person? Or can we actually change God's mind like Hezekiah does here with his health? Can we actually do that? Now, I'm sure we could get people up here to discuss that and we could be here for weeks and months and 
if not years, and I know you don't want to do that. And so I think when I think of questions like this, my big answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Because I think before we go any further, we need to acknowledge that when it comes to prayer, there is great and deep mystery around it. Prayer is not an everyday reaction. If I do this for you, you'll do this for me. When we pray, we are actually interacting with the divine. This kind of moment in space, and some people call it the thin space, that when we pray, the supernatural and the divine and the reality come that little bit closer. This great mystery there. And if God is God, this big, great, awesome, powerful God who spoke the world into being and crafted us from dust initially and, and all of these sort of things, then we are, when we pray, it's not just speaking to our friend beside us. We are actually dealing with the divine. And there is mystery that surrounds that. That itself is a mystery. And so when we come to pray, we need to recognize that there is no set formula here. Even though I would love that. I would love to know that if I did this and if I did this and if I did this, that God would do exactly what I wanted. But that's not how prayer works. There's a quote, sorry, this is where um, we see Hezekiah again, placing God in his rightful place as he prays, his first prayer for his people. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words. There's a quote by a a Melbourne pastor uh, and writer and some might even say prophet. But when he looks at this idea of God as God and how we often respond to him, Mark Sayers says, so the quest, and this is a bit of a deep quote because everything Mark Sayers is pretty deep. So so the quest for salvation has been replaced by the quest of well-being often when we come to God. And the danger is Christianity will end up looking like the empire of Oprah in which God is a sort of cosmic butler who delivers things for us. But instead we need to return to a biblical worldview that grapples with the suffering that's around us rather than avoids or denies it and that recognises that man is not the focus. When we pray, God is. And that God is not going to transform you into the buff entrepreneur with a beautiful wife or beautiful handsome husband There is a much deeper reality than that when we pray that is going on. And so when we pray, we need to recognize that God is God and that is who we are communicating with when we pray. So what does this mean for us? If God is God, then when we ask and when we pray, we need to come to God with a humility, recognizing that who we are in the shape of who God is But I think also as we pray and we honour God and we come to him with humility, it gives us an amazing sense of perspective. This thing, I know I've prayed many times with these things that felt so heavy and so big and I couldn't handle. When I came to God and put it in front of him and realised that if he is God, fully, truly, creator, redeemer, saviour of this world, I can trust him with that. God is God. The second thing that I want us to take away is that God hears our cries. In both the examples that we read of Hezekiah, God is moved to act in some way. He says in there, I have heard your prayers, Hezekiah. I have heard your cries. I know so often it can feel like that that's not the case. 
There's many times when we pray when it just feels silent and we wonder if, like that song, is anything out there? Are you actually there, God? What is going on? But we see over and over again in the Bible, constantly God hears his people and God hears his cries. He might act differently than what they expected, but God hears. God never ignores them. God hears. And so if God hears our cries, as we pray, we need to know that God is listening and that we are in this relationship with him. If we are, out, if we are crying out to God, we are speaking to him and he is listening, that's relationship. So going back to our first point, if God is God, this massive, divine, amazing creator, he actually wants to be in relationship with us. He is hearing, he is engaging. Another, another quote by Shane Claiborne, that's the beautiful mystery. We say prayer is a mystery and we're not sure how it all happens, but there is this amazing thing, the beautiful mystery. We have a God who chooses to need us. We have a God who doesn't want to change the world without us. We have a God who longs to cooperate with us, to allow us to fail and flounder, yes, and who promises to make up for our shortcomings, but nonetheless wants us. It is the story of our faith. So as we pray, we need to remember that we are in relationship. God is hearing our cry. He's engaging with that. We are not praying to some unknown, distant God when we ask, but the one who has formed us the one who sacrificed his son for us and the one who wants to deeply continue to know us as we go on. The final thing is that God always answers. God always answers. In both times that Hezekiah prayed, God acted and God responded and he couldn't ignore the prayers of this faithful man. When we pray, God will answer. It may be a yes, and we'll get to move the mountains with him. But it also may be a no or a not yet. What do we do with that? I know there have actually been a number of times in my life when people who are very close to me have gotten very ill. A good friend of mine uh, who I grew up with, she was two years younger than I am, at 23 was diagnosed with melanoma. And it wasn't looking good. The whole church came together and prayed. There were people praying for her across the nation. People were were doing overnight prayers and continuing to pray for a whole week and all sorts of things. People were fasting. People were, were kneeling. People were anointing her, all these sorts of things, and she still died. Did God not hear us? Were we not like Hezekiah and were just not good enough, not faithful enough? Did God just ignore us? All of these things come together. If God is God and God hears our cries, God will sometimes answer us in the way that we didn't want to happen. And we need to be able to trust him in that. Jesus tells us that in this world we will have troubles and we will have strife, but we need to take heart because he will overcome the world, or he has overcome the world. And if we look right at the end of the Bible in Revelation 21 verse 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear. I think of her parents. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death and no more mourning or crying or pain for the old things have passed away. And so God does always answer. It may be a yes and it may be a no, 
and it may be a not yet. And that is often where the great mystery is and where we need to trust in those spaces. And so if God always answers, what is our response in this as we pray, as we ask? Is that we actually need to choose how we respond. If God always responds, how will we respond? So in that moment that I just shared of my friend passing away, how do I respond to that? If I trust God is God and I know that God heard us and he has answered, not in a way that we wanted, then how do I respond? Do I become bitter? Do I question my faith? Do I decide to put it all behind or do I decide to trust? I need to work out how I respond. And I think the same is when God actually says yes to our prayers when we ask. How do we respond? If God says yes, go for it, it's yours, how do we bring it back into perspective and remember that God is God and worship him in those moments and be, be truthful in those moments to what has happened here and engage? I had another friend who I had known since um, she, her and I were in preschool and we were best friends. We went around telling everyone we were best friends. And you know how we knew we were best friends? Both our brothers were called Matthew. Our phone numbers were one number apart and our birthdays were one day different. Like, come on, of course we were best friends. And we would go around telling everyone this and we went all through primary school and all through high school and we've still kept in contact. We both, we live in different parts of the country now, but at one point we were in the same city and um, I, I was speaking at a church, a different church, but I was speaking at a church and she is not a follower of Jesus. She'd always known that was part of my life and we'd shared, but that was not something for her. And so I said, well, speaking at church tonight, do you want to come? You're staying with us. Probably be a good idea. And so she did. She came along. Um, And it was not on any... I thought out of all of the nights she could come along, this was not the night for her to come along. But before we went, we'd gone down to the beach and we just sat there talking and there were some big things going on in her life. And she was at a stage of just going... I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. I don't know what to turn. I just I don't know where to turn. I just am stuck. And I shared with her in that moment and I said, you know what, there are times in our lives when we just need to hand it all over to God. When we have to realise that there's just nothing else left within our reserves that we can do. And we may just need to trust that God is out there and give it to him. So she came along to the church service and she said it wasn't that bad, which was good. Um, (laughs) And then she drove home. She was driving back to the hour and a half or so of where she was living at that stage. And she rung me later on that night and she said, you know what, I did it. I laid it all out to God. I gave it all to him and I felt him in that moment. He was there. Now, she didn't know how to use the words of prayer, but that's what she was doing. She said, I was talking out loud all the way home in the car laying it all out to God, and God was there for us. And that was the best news to me. I liked, it was so exciting. And so I rung her a couple of days later after she'd had this amazing moment where God had answered her prayer. I said, how are you going with that? What's going on now? And she said, oh, you know what? I actually got started talking to some of my other friends and One of them, she said, you know, that's just what happens sometimes when we get to a really deep, dark place and we talk out, we kind of imagine things are going on around us that aren't actually happening and so it was just all in your head. It's it's just how it works. My friend chose in that moment to ignore that God had answered her prayer 
and to listen to the person, her friend, who was with her. God always answers, but we need to choose how we respond in those times as he answered, as he answers. So God is God. And if God is God, then as we come to prayer and as we come to ask, we need to come with a deep sense and understanding of who he is and putting him in his right place. One, so that we can know our place, but we can also have a perspective of what these big things going on in our life fit into the bigger scheme of God. God hears our cries. And if that's the case, as we ask, as we pray, we know that we are joining in in this divine relationship that is a complete mystery of why God wants that from his people and yet he deeply does and he enters into it. Finally, God always answers. And so we need to choose how we respond when he does, whether it be a yes or a no or a not yet. I'm going to invite the band to come up. I just think these are really powerful concepts, big, powerful ideas that I think if we can take them on, will actually change and revolutionise or deepen the way that we pray, the way that we ask. And I'm wondering today if there is something here, one of these, that you need to take for the week, for the month, for the year, but you need to be reminded of. Do you need a fresh understanding of God being truly God? Has God become very small or have you been able to put him in a box and you need to open that box and get a fresh understanding of God as God? Or maybe you need to know that God is hearing your cry at the moment. You might have been praying for something, asking for something and you've just at the end of it because you feel like there is nothing going on and you're sick of crying out. Do you need a fresh awareness and understanding that God is hearing your cry? Or do you need to know that God always answers? And maybe it's a not yet, and maybe it's a no, or maybe that yes is just around the corner. But do you need to be reminded that God always answers? I'm wondering if as this final song, um, the band plays this final song, that we can hold on to one of those. And practice what I've been preaching about today um, of just sitting with that. Knowing that God is God. Knowing that God hears our cries. And knowing that God always answers. Whether this is the first time you've thought about these things or whether this is the hundredth millionth time you've thought about these things. Take this opportunity to ask God for a new and fresh understanding in these ways.